hot mess up here today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you guys. Uh, a, I did not sleep particularly well yesterday. I was up. You're good to go. Uh, I was up at uh, about 1.30 to 4.30, 5 o'clock this morning. Uh, so I was already at a disadvantage. And I don't have my comfort blanket. Uh, what you guys may or may not know is while it looks like I have no manuscript, uh, I normally bring up my slides with me, and I have, it's like my comfort blanket that I have. I forgot to print those off, too. So we're going to be on a journey together of tired Josh, caffeinated Josh, and we're going to pray the Holy Spirit does its thing, but I'm telling you this now, so if this goes off the rails, we, we know where it went off the rails. So. But uh, the best way to start a message like that is to pray and hope that God does his thing, so let's pray and hope that God does his thing. God, you are good. You are a God who continues to speak. Lord, and uh, we are grateful that you speak through us. Lord, so as we dive into your word today, as we continue to unpack uh, what learning to forgive looks like, Lord, I pray that you speak. Lord, through your word, through the good news of who Christ is, and the, and the good news of who you've called us to be in Christ. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name, and all God's kids say, Amen. Again, it's good to be with you, and we are continuing on our sermon series called learning to forgive, and this has been, for a lot of us, and myself at the front of the line, a somewhat emotional sermon series, right? Because forgiveness is not easy, and in some ways, it can be easy to be like, oh, uh, you know, yeah, Josh, you did it once, that was great, all right, you did it twice, yep, that was great. Uh, why are we still on this topic, and, and the reason why we're still on this topic is because all of us struggle with this. I said in the first week that forgiveness may be the most counter-cultural aspect of Christianity. I mean, certainly Christ coming and dying for us is not normal in all religions, but we're Americans. We like free stuff, right? We like consumeristic stuff. Oh, cool, I get to heaven by free? Sign me up for that. But, but when we realize that a life in Christ that what he is trying to do also comes with this idea that we are called to forgive just as we have been forgiven, that becomes much more countercultural. Not only is it countercultural, but it's counter to our own natures. Because when we're hurt, our reaction, our natural reaction to that, is to hurt back. And that's why we see things like wars and division and racism, and pretty much anything that you can imagine that's gone wrong with humanity, in some form, in part and parcel, has to do with sin, and it has to do with unforgiveness, and us not knowing what to do with that. And so the first week, when we went through the series, uh, we talked about that forgiveness means to release. That's literally what the word means in Greek. It means to let something go. It doesn't mean that there are no consequences when people hurt us. Right, so forgiveness does not mean, hey, you have to forgive me, so there are no consequences to the pain that I caused. That's not what forgiveness means. Forgiveness does not mean that we have to forget or that we have to play pretend that we weren't hurt. And, and, and forgiveness does not mean reconciliation, though, as we're going to see in a couple of weeks, reconciliation is the end goal of what God is trying to do for all relationships. But forgiveness at its core means to release. And so the first week we talked about the parable of the unforgiving servant. Last week we talked about how forgiveness, if we're going to forgive others, we first have to seek forgiveness from God and seek forgiveness from others. And this week we're going to kind of get into some very practical ways that scripture says 
we as Christians can learn to live a life of forgiveness. And we're going to be doing that in Ephesians chapter 4. We're still in our bring your own Bible year. This is probably going to be a bring your own Bible church going forward, which I'm excited about. But if you're using the same Bibles we are, that's going to be on page 1483 uh, in the NIV ones that we've all been using. And we're going to start in verse 20. And verse 20 starts off with this. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ. And we're taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being uh, corrupted by its deceitful desires. Whenever you see a however or therefore in scripture, normally it's tying into something beforehand. And that something beforehand in Paul's writings was talking about how the world has been darkened. And they've been darkened in how they think, and they've been darkened in how they operate. And then we see that. We see that in the brokenness of the world. He says, y'all have been called to something different. To put off that darkness. And to start something new. And so what is this something new? Well, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, and to put on the new self to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul writes to the church and says, y'all, God wants to do something new in you. Something that doesn't have to be controlled by the darkness. That doesn't have to be controlled by your sinful nature. Instead, we've got this new self that we get to live out of that is filled with God's righteousness, right relationships with him, right relationships with each other, and holiness, living a life that is holy, living a life that lives up to our calling as God's children. And this is the only other uh, scripture we're going to use outside of Ephesians today, but I want you to turn back to Romans chapter 12. I believe that's going to be page 1439 in your Bibles. Because Paul talks about this renewing of your mind in another place in Scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Romans 12, verses 1, for two, uh, one and 2. Therefore, another one of those therefores, Paul's making a point. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of everything that God has done for you, in view of Christ's love for you, his forgiveness for you, his death and his resurrection for you, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You want to have a better worship life, Paul writes. You want to experience the wonder and praise when we're singing together. He says, offer your bodies as a daily, regular sense of worship. And then he says this, so do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't be darkened. Don't lean back into that old nature, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want you guys to underline or circle or highlight the renewing of your mind. I love this word in Greek because this word in Greek means to renovate. Think about what you do when you renovate something. Right? So if you are like Erica and myself, 
we are constantly renovating our house. Our house is weird, all right? Our house is super, super weird. You might show up and be like, oh, you got some property, you got a nice little guest here. Our house is just weird on every level. We have three separate roofs in our house, right? Most houses just have one, but because of all the additions and the way they did the additions, there's roof on top of roof on top of roof. Every time we cut a hole, we're not sure how many holes we're gonna have to cut through before we can get to the top, right? But the most recent addition that we've been doing is this. When we bought our house, we had an indoor hot tub. And you may think to yourself, Josh, you and Erica don't seem like indoor hot tub people. And you are correct, good sir, because we are not indoor hot tub people. In fact, what we found out very early on was when we kept that thing running, the entire house smelled like chlorine. And what we decided was we did not want to own a hot tub. We wanted to be friends with someone who owned a hot tub. It's kind of like owning a boat. I don't want to own a boat, but I am very supportive of any of my congregation wants to own a boat, because then I can go over and enjoy it. I'll pay for your gas, but then I don't have to take care of the boat, right? So we had this beautiful little sauna, almost kind of looked like something you would get at like a spa, but what it turned into in our house was this. <laughs> a 100 square foot storage unit uh, that we just would not let people know was in the house. And so we've got friends who've been over multiple times, and when we told them we had an indoor hot tub, they're like, no, your house is not big, Josh. And I'm like, oh, no, we just, we hide that part of the house, and it was literally for five years storage. And the only good thing about the storage, it didn't have any, like, closets or anything, but because we are on a crawl space, we could store it down, right? And so we would store luggage in the hot tub. Uh, we would store, like, dead insects in the hot tub. It was just, it was not a great situation. But eventually, I was talking to Erica, and I'm like, you know what, I really want to change this room into something useful. And so we're turning it into an office for her. So she works from home. And so this is past uh, Friday, Zach Kohlinger, God bless his soul, came over and we started tearing out the hot tub. We started doing some renovations. Right? And here's the thing with renovation. What we're doing is, is we're taking something that we don't want anymore, getting it out so we can put something else in. Right? And oftentimes, when we're talking about renovation, something went wrong. Y'all, five years of an unused hot tub is disgusting. Right? There's water that has not seen the light of day or that it has not moved that is stored in PVC pipe, it was not fun work, right? There's some dark stuff when you renovate. When you're renovating a house, you may find mold, you may find corrupted boards, right? You don't know what's gonna happen when you pull down those walls. You don't know what's behind there. There could be some dark stuff behind there. At Church Leander, when we talk about renovating our minds, renovating our lives, there's some dark stuff. There is stuff that has been there for decades. That we have built up and we have held to. Some stuff that we've forgotten about. That is of the world. That darkens our minds. And what God is saying is, hey, I don't want you to have to keep that in there anymore. I don't want you to have to have something that's corrupted inside of you. That is moldy and dark. That, that is sapping the life from you, that is sapping the love for you. And so what God wants to do is through the Holy Spirit and through time to renovate our minds. And y'all, this takes time. Look at Chrissy Vega. She's a counselor. 
right? The stuff that takes years to create can take years to get out, right? This isn't a, oh, pray a prayer, and God's going to take it all away magically. Occasionally it works like that. Most of the time, 99.999999999% no. It's going to take work to do that renovation. And yet, what God gives you in that renovation, when we do that work, when we open ourselves and say, all right, God, what inside of me does not reflect you? What inside of me doesn't show you the way that I want to show you to my neighbors and to my family and my friends? And then we begin that renovation work, and he starts taking some stuff out. And the good news is he starts putting some stuff back in that does reflect him and that does bring us joy. So as we think through, okay, what does the renewing of our mind look like? It is this renovation project that God says, I want to do for you and I want to do for your families. I want to help you have a righteous relationship with me, a right relationship with me, and a right relationship with the people that I brought into your life. All right, so now we're going to flip back now to Ephesians chapter 4 and see what that looks like. So therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Paul is going to get very practical. And he's going to talk a lot about what we talk about and how we talk. And he starts off, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, speak truthfully, for we are all members of one body. Y'all, we don't speak against our own. We don't badmouth our own. And what we see in Scripture is that God wants us all to be one tribe, one humanity. There's no longer us versus them. It's no longer the good people and the bad people, whoever they are. The good neighbors and the bad neighbors. No, they're all called to be our neighbors, and as Christ taught, we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so Paul starts off by saying, y'all, don't lie, because we are all called to be of one community. He goes on, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Okay, there's a couple things here. One, it does not say, do not get angry. That is an impossible feat. Jesus, at times, got angry, right? He walks into a church, he walks into the temple, and he realizes that people are abusing people's money, and he freaks out. One of my favorite stories, he starts flipping tables, he gets out of wit, goes Indiana Jones on people, right? Jesus got angry at the right stuff. But he says, do not let sin come into your anger, right? What we do with that anger is the issue. And then there's a really good piece of advice here. Just some practical knowledge for spouses. This is a big one. Don't go to bed angry. Don't go to bed stewing in it. If you can, at all possible, find a way to talk about it. And even if you can't fully resolve it, to start to release it. Why? Because if you think about a renovation, if I'm letting this anger stew, if I am not properly addressing it, it just sits inside me. And it does ugly things. And it, it puts ugly thoughts in my head. It puts ugly thoughts in your head. And so Paul writes, like, y'all, 
Don't stew in your anger. That is not a righteous way to handle when a broken situation happens. It goes on. And anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Now, don't steal. I had to, you know, one of the Ten Commandments. That one's pretty easy. But why? Because we're supposed to be productive. We're supposed to be useful. We are called to be a part of a community that we are blessed by, but that we serve as a blessing to as well. Part of the heart of Scripture is that once we are redeemed, once we are God's children, we're called to live like it and to be a blessing to the people we come in contact with. Whether that's our kids or our neighbors, our spouses, our co-workers, being a blessing, being for them. Continuing on. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that may benefit those who listen. This is a hard one for me, personally. I like to gripe. Am I the only one here who likes to gripe? <laughs> Probably not, but you know. It's fun sometimes, isn't it? Just to complain about other people. Just, just to tear them down a little bit. Just to have a gripe session or another type of session, right? And yet, no, no, no. Use those words to build others up. That's part of the renovation project. Is that we learn not to just complain about others, but to speak life into them. That can build them up. That can build how other people see them up. Because so often, when I'm complaining about someone, I'm actually putting a little bitterness into someone else, right? I, I'm creating that division just a little bit wider. And God is saying, it tears people down. It tears down relationships. So instead, no, build, build one another up. All right, good. And do not grieve the spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This is a big one. And one I don't give credit as nearly as often as I do. When we use our words to complain, to tear down, it hurts God. You know you're God's kid. It's my, it's my personal Bible verse. 1 John 3, 1. For how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. Amen. We are sons and daughters of our Father Most High. We are created in His image. And that person that I complain about is created in His image too. And God wants them to be their son and daughter. So when I complain, when I tear down, when I don't forgive them, even when they've hurt me, even when I, they don't necessarily deserve my forgiveness, when I withhold it, it hurts our father. Because our father loves them, whoever they are, just as much as he loves me. And he wants good for them just as much as he wants good for me. And so when we live in that anger, when we live in that unwholesome talk, we're hurting God. And God's like, guys, I, I love them just like I love you. 
And I want to share the same life with them as the same life I want to share with you. And then he wraps up. And he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with all forms of mouth. He goes, y'all, let's do some renovation. Let's look around our minds. Let's look around our lives. Let's look around how we operate, how we talk to our friends and our family. Let's just get rid of the bitterness. Get rid of the rage, the malice, the slander. Do the hard work, the renovation work. Because God has something better for us. Again, renovation isn't just pulling something out. It's putting something in. And what God puts in is so much better. And that's why I love how Paul ends his exhortation to the church. He says this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. This is going to be our anchor verse for March. Anchor verses for this congregation is a verse that we uh, go to memorize every month. We send out meditations. We'll show you a, a number you can text if you want to be a part of that a little bit later on. But read this verse with me, would you? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You can write in your notes, loving as his people by forgiving them, just as in Christ God forgave you. I'm going to tell you two stories. Two uh, sermons I heard back-to-back at the Global Leadership Summit. I believe it was 2002, so that would be 21 years ago. Old enough to drink at this point, all right? So I went uh, to a conference uh, in Illinois at Willow Creek Church, and uh, the first speaker was John Ortenberg, and he had just come out with a book called Everybody is Normal Until You Get to Know Them. And uh, he talked about, uh, he started off his message and actually his book by telling a story about as-is tags. I love getting a good deal on things. I love getting a good deal. Sometimes I'm cheap, sometimes I'm frugal. Whichever way you cut it, I like to save money, right? And I like to talk about how I save money, right? I like to talk about, like, cool things that we found out we could do with our credit card or with our mortgage or whatever else, right? Uh, I like to find deals. But if you guys see a tag at a store, it's a really wicked deal, and then it says, as-is, what does that mean? Meet something's wrong with it, right? And so then you got to figure out, okay, this is a jacket. What's wrong? Where's the tear? Where's the stain, right? And can I live with that stain? In his book, he talks about how all of us are as-is people. That all of us have tags on us. And your tags may say, Joshua has road rage when he drives. Or he's got some bitterness that he's still struggling with. Or he's got some brokenness in his past that is still affecting his present. All of us are as is. And I love the other uh, image that he had shared. Uh, It was a Cosmo magazine or a Vogue or whatever. Uh, But the title of it started saying, Totally Normal Woman. All right, so guys, all of you, close your eyes. Totally Normal Woman. You got that? Whoever that person is in in your mind? All right, who stalk their ex-boyfriends. Okay, totally normal women, and we could probably say men at this point, right, who stalk their ex-spouses. That, that is the world we live in. We live in a world of as-is people who are broken and who are hurting. 
And so that was, that was the first uh, message. And he was talking about how do we love as is Jesus. Second speaker comes up. And he was an African-American gentleman. Uh, he was probably 40 at the time. Uh, and he started off with a story. Uh, back in the 70s, uh, him and his uh, mom and dad had moved to the south uh, to a predominantly white neighborhood. And he's walking home. He's about 13 years old. And uh, first day of school, and a group of white kids jumped him. And first they uh, verbally explained why he was in the wrong neighborhood, living in the wrong house, and then they physically explained why he was living in the wrong neighborhood. And he came home, and he, he was broken, and he was bruised, and he was telling the story. And his mom came home from work, and she sees him. And she sees the wounds. And in his words, she looked at him, and she cared about his physical state, but she saw his spiritual and his emotional state more. Because he was so mad. Right? He had been hurt. He had been unjustly hurt. And while he couldn't take five guys at once, he could take them all individually, one-on-one. -on -one. And so that was inside of him. And his mom sat him down and said, sweetie, I love you. And we will seek justice in this. And this is not okay what happened to you. There will be consequences. But if you let that anger turn into rage, if you can't learn to forgive, it's not just going to hurt them. It's going to hurt you. And then she quoted him, Ephesians chapter 4, 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as And that's what speakers say. How do we love as is Jesus? Just as Christ loved us. How do we forgive as is people? Just as Christ forgives us. Because God didn't want him to have to carry that for the rest of his life. God wanted him to be able to release that, to do the renovation work that he could have a relationship with God and the relationship with people, and it's hard work. And it's not fair. Y'all, none of this is fair. Because God is not primarily concerned with fair. God is primarily concerned with good and with love. Because if we go down the fair route, all of us end up failing what we have in Christ, what we have in the goodness of God is something so much better and stronger and holistic and something that actually spreads life. And we get rid of all the junk and all the darkness and all the corruption and he puts something good inside of us through Christ. And Ephesians goes on and sometimes we can think chapters and verses like, okay, we're done with chapter 4 so we're finished. Well, FYI, there were no chapters and verses when the Bible was first written. They were put in by scholars and priests to be able to figure out, to be able to find verses, but they're not there. So sometimes they're very useful, but in this case, they're not. Ephesians goes on, Paul continues on, and he says this. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, Again, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. What does the ultimate renovation look like? It looks like the way of love. 
and y'all filling yourself up with love, doing that renovation work is so much better than the junk of the world, than the bitterness and the rage and the tribalism and the us versus them that we kind of get this temporary high off of, right? Because it can feel good to be mad, and yet it destroys us. It eats away at us. And not that God wants you to meditate. Through Christ, through his forgiveness and his love, he's going to fill that up and it changes how we relate to God and it changes how we relate to each other as well. Because just as isn't just about forgiveness, it's about love and the way of love. And that's what we're going to talk about next week is what does the way of love look like and how does that relate to forgiveness and what is God doing in that renovation work for us as his we're going to continue on with what we've been doing uh, through this whole series for our confession and absolution. Where we're going to say the Lord's Prayer, but we're going to stop after the petition and forgive us our trespasses, and we're going to pause. And we're going to seek forgiveness. We're going to come before God in confession and say, you know what, God, I'm still wrestling with this stuff. Whatever that stuff is, whatever that renovation work that still needs to be done is. But then we're going to say the next petition, and we're going to stop as we forgive those who trespass against us. And we are going to slowly, maybe just maybe step at a time, maybe just releasing a little bit of a time, releasing those who have hurt us, whether it's neighbors or friends or spouses. And again, this doesn't mean there aren't consequences. This isn't a blank check of, ha ha, they gotta, no, that's not what God's after. God is after releasing that dark stuff inside of us that he can fill us with the way of love. You guys pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're good. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are a forgiving God. You are a loving God. You are a God who is for us. Lord, I pray for each of us, Lord, that we're willing to do that renovation work, that hard work, to take out what is not of you and to put in that which is you. Lord, that even when it's hard, especially when it's hard. Lord, that you would help us release that. Lord, that we may have a clearer and fuller relationship with you in those areas. So Lord, we join together in the prayer you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.